today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Vengeance on steroids. You took my tooth. I don't want just all your teeth. I want your family's teeth. I want your uncle's and auntie's teeth. <laughs> I'm taking them all. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. No, let God, let God, let, key word, let God, let God do it. He will do it right. It will be just. Your hands will remain clean. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Let God seek out and administer justice. Pastor J.D. encourages you to let vengeance belong to God. He is the one who is perfectly just and right. God will establish justice. Don't take matters into your own hands. Allow the Lord in His perfect way to make things right again. Trust in His timing and in His character. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 11 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 9, And the Lord said to me, now this is interesting, A conspiracy has been found among the men of Judah, and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they have turned back, verse 10, to the iniquities of their forefathers, who refused, and here it is again, to hear my words. And they have gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. So again, here's the why behind the what. Why did they refuse? And by the way, refuse is deliberate, right? That's a conscious refusal. It's deliberate. It's decisive. You made the decision to refuse. I decline. I refuse to hear the words. Why? Oh, because I've gone after these other gods. Therefore, verse 11, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will surely bring calamity on them which they will not be able to escape. And though they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will go and cry out to the gods to whom they offer incense, but they will not save them at all in the time of their trouble. Now this is kind of a difficult passage because there are many who are quick to start conversations like, well, that's not fair. What do you mean if they cry out to God, He's not going to listen to them? No, you have to understand, and we're going to see this in a moment, they have deliberately rejected the Lord. And they brought this on themselves. And they're serving these other gods, and God's saying, you made your decision, your mind is made up, your heart is hardened, your fate is sealed, you've already made it very clear, and I'm not going to force myself on you. Look, you don't want to worship me, you want to worship these other gods? I, I, I can't force you to worship me. I don't want your worship if I have to force you to worship me. Think of it like a parent. I always try to bring it into the context and frame it in the family dynamics between a father and a, a child, as a father myself, an earthly fallen father. If my children don't want to spend time with me, 
I'm not going to force them. And even if I did, what kind of, I mean, look at it. We're done yet? Let's talk about what we refer to as devotions and quiet time with the Lord, right? Oh man, I, I got to get up in the morning and I got to spend some time in prayer. Really? Can you imagine what that must do to the heart of God? It's like, no. It's a got to, not a get to. You got to? Don't bother. I don't, I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be what you want to do, that of your own volition you desire to be with me. You want to worship me. You want to spend time with me. If it's like that, then, and we're going to see this. It's a very difficult passage in James. We see it throughout Scripture. We're told that God is a jealous God. Now, we're always, sadly, we frame it in terms of a fleshly, carnal jealousy. It's not like that. He wants fully devoted hearts. This is Second Chronicles 16.9, when the prophet says to King Asa, who blew it, man. And by the way, Josiah, who was king at the time, a good king of Judah. There were only nine, by the way, in Judah, southern Judah. In northern Israel, the northern tribes, not one good king. Every king in northern Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. In Judah, they only had nine good kings, and Josiah was one of them. But eight of the nine kings blew it and messed up. I mean, they started out great. This King Josiah is going to come up at the end of the chapter. We'll try to get there as quick as we can. I don't want to rush through this, though. I think the Lord has something for us here. But this King Josiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, very pleasing to God. He was a good king. And he was the king at the time that Jeremiah was the prophet and prophesying. But what Josiah did was he tore down all of these these idols that the Israelites, God's people in Judah, were worshiping. All of the Baals, he was tearing them down and burning them up. And uh, that didn't sit too well with some that we're going to be introduced to here at the end of the chapter, because they were making a lot of money off of these things. And here comes Josiah, and he tears them down. And here comes the prophet Jeremiah, preaching his doom and gloom. (laughs) Actually, we're going to see that word here. I love it. I underlined it in my Bible, so there. But here's this uh, prophet preaching doom and gloom. We got this king that's tearing down all these idols. You just basically cut our income, not just in half, but you've basically taken away our livelihood. And that's not okay. And that's actually one of the reasons why they want to kill Jeremiah. Well, God's saying, listen, you, you've already made your choice. You want to worship these gods. You're offering incense to these gods. Well, why don't you go to your gods then in your time of trouble? Why, why are you coming to me? You're worshiping them and coming to me? No, it doesn't work like that. For according, verse 13, to the number of your cities were your gods. Oh, Judah, that's a, that's a lot of gods. <laughs> And according to the number of the streets of Jerusalem, you have set up altars to that shameful thing. I don't want to know. That's enough information for me. Well, I don't, I don't know what that is, but there are some commentators that make some suggestions, and I really, that's TMI for me. 
shameful, abhorrent, unthinkable, unspeakable, altars to burn incense to Baal. So, verse 14, do not pray for this people, or lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry out to me because of their trouble. Does this sound familiar? It should, because we just read this before, where God basically says to Jeremiah, stop praying for him. Don't waste your breath, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen or answer the prayer. They've already made up their minds. And they've already hardened their hearts. They've already made their decision. They've already decided to serve these other gods. So stop praying for them. And I'm not going to get in depth into it. We spent quite a bit of time on it last time. But there does come a time when God will release you from praying for someone. And this could be for a number of reasons. Sometimes it's because God will not listen. It's already too late. They've already sealed their fate. Now verse 15, we turn this very interesting corner of sorts. Listen to the the verbiage, the way God has Jeremiah say this. What has my beloved to do in my house? Oof, that hurts. Because you know what that's saying? You're my beloved. I love you. I still love you. But apparently you don't love me. Having done lewd deeds with many, think about as a husband, this is your beloved, this is your wife, and she's done lewd deeds with many, and the holy flesh has passed from you. And listen to this, when you do evil, then you rejoice. Wait, what? So my beloved has done lewd deeds with many. I don't want to know any more about that. That's enough. It's already TMI. And the holy flesh has passed from you. You have done evil. And not only have you done evil, that's bad enough on its face, but you do the evil, then you rejoice in the evil you did. You're boasting in it. You're rejoicing in it. You're posting it on social media. Does that help bring it into the, that's what they were doing. They were actually proud of the evil that they were doing. They were rejoicing in the evil they were doing. The Lord, verse 16, called your name, green olive tree, lovely and of good fruit, the endearing names, the name is the nature. And you know, it's, it's picture it like this. You know, my wife and I, when we were first married, we had those cute names we called each other. I'm not going to tell you what they were. Very sappy, right? You know, oh, well, the most common ones are, oh, you know, cupcake or sweetie pie or pumpkin. And pumpkin is, anyway, we, I never call my wife pumpkin. Just nothing against pumpkins. I just it didn't quite fit. I had other names. Again, I'm not telling you, no matter what you try to do, you're not getting it out of me. But it's just, we, I, we had these pet names. These were, it was, it was, I remember, remember, I'm in the office. This is a long time ago in a land far, far away. 
I'm very professional, you know, wearing my suit. Yes, that'll be fine. We'll go ahead and confirm that. Excuse me, can you just hold for a minute? I have another call on line two. It's my wife. Who's line two? Hi, hi, honey. Completely changed. Don't even know it's the same person. We had our own language. I'm calling her all these, you know, cute, adorable names. I'm not telling you what the names are. That's what the Lord's saying here. Remember when we used to talk like that? Green olive tree, lovely, good fruit, sweetie pie. With the noise of a great tumult, he has kindled fire on it, and its branches are broken. For the Lord of hosts, verse 17, who planted you, has pronounced, here's that word, doom against you for the evil of the house of Israel and of the house of Judah. And I want you to pay particular attention to what it says here at the end of verse 17, which they have done against themselves. Did you catch that? They brought this on themselves. They have no one but themselves to blame. Oh, they'll try to blame. We're always pointing the finger of blame at everyone and everything but ourselves, which they have done against themselves to provoke me to anger in offering incense to Baal. You know, I I tried, I spent some time today, I don't really have an example, a comparison modern day to what this would be like. I mean, when we read verses like this about how these are God's people now, burning and offering incense to Baal, I'm hard pressed to come up with a comparison modern day, an example of what this would be akin to for us as believers. But it it would be an absolute affront to a holy God. Now, verse 18, the Lord gave me knowledge of it, and I know it, for you showed me their doings. What doings, Jeremiah? Oh, Here I am, verse 19, I was like a docile lamb (laughs) brought to the slaughter, and I did not know that they had devised schemes against me, saying, let us destroy the tree with its fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. This is the plot now. This is the death threat on his life. Why? Because he's speaking the truth. We need to silence this guy. We don't want to listen to this guy. And now listen to his prayer, verse 20. He cries out to the Lord, But, O Lord of hosts, you who judge righteously, testing the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have revealed my cause. Therefore, verse 21, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that. Who seek your life, 
saying, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, lest you die by our hand. Translated, you keep speaking this, and we're going to kill you. You better stop. Stop. Or we're going to kill you. We'll stop you. We'll silence you. Whoo! The men of Anatha? Who are they? Oh, these are Jeremiah's homies. This is his hometown. That's where he's from. Isn't that interesting? I mean, we know that a prophet is without honor in his hometown, as Jesus would say when he could do very few miracles in Nazareth, where he was from. But these are this the men of Anathoth. This is uh, that's where Jeremiah's from. Can you just even wrap your mind around how evil it must have been? Because these men of Anathoth were the priests. These were the priests, the pastors. And they want to kill one of their own. The priests want to kill the prophet. That's how bad it was. And for Jeremiah to ask the Lord to mete out vengeance, because vengeance belongs to the Lord, you can understand it. Can you imagine? I mean, we've already seen that Jeremiah is a very sensitive man, the weeping prophet. We just read in the last chapter, chapter 10, that he read the very first part of chapter 10. He had no more tears to cry. He had cried so much. Have you ever cried that much where there's no more, t- the tear ducts are completely empty? That's how much he wept. He was so heartbroken. Imagine how much this must have hurt him. Jeremiah was a very sensitive, soft-hearted man. And these are his brethren from his hometown. He grew up with them. They played together as kids, had barbecues together as they got older. And now they want to kill him. And it's not just that they want to kill him, it's why they want to kill him, because they want him to stop prophesying in the name of the Lord. Therefore, verse 22, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. And verse 23, there shall be no remnant of them, for I will bring catastrophe on the men of Anathoth, even the year of their punishment. Um, Before we partake together of communion, I, I think I would be grossly remiss if I didn't at the very least mention that what Jeremiah does here is the right thing. And I think it's a good model for us when there are those, like with Jeremiah, who attack us, want to hurt us, want to silence us from our own. There is absolutely nothing wrong. I mean, we stop at vengeance belongs to the Lord. And sometimes it's not a very easy do, because everything within our sin nature, our human nature, we want to mete out our own vengeance, because 
just, I mean, you know, uh, again, talk about Deuteronomy, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know what that really means? If someone takes your eye, you, it's just one eye. Don't take two eyes, because we don't want to just, you know, one eye for one eye or one tooth. I want to knock out all their teeth. That's what that means. In our vengeance, we want to actually go above and beyond what they did to us when we mete out vengeance. But vengeance belongs to the Lord. Now don't stop there, because as we just read, as God responds to Jeremiah, who lets God take vengeance on them rightfully and justfully so, God says, I will. Okay, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Now leave it with the Lord, because He will mete out the vengeance. And it will always be righteous and just. Left to ourselves, (laughs) it's vengeance on steroids. You took my tooth, I don't want just all your teeth. I want your family's teeth. I want your uncle's and auntie's teeth. (laughs) I'm taking them all, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. No, let God, let God, let, key word, let God, let God do it. He will do it right. It will be just. Your hands will remain clean. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. One last thing. No man can touch you or take your life until God is through with you. God's not through with Jeremiah. We're only at chapter 11. See now, if Jeremiah had all of the 52 chapters, they haven't been written yet, (laughs) he would say, you want to kill me? Well, you're going to have to wait, because we're we're only at 11, so you can't, I'm not, God's still got, there's a lot of chapters left, so I hope you're patient in wanting to take my life. What's the point? The point is, is that (laughs) the days of your life are in the hands of the Lord, and you have nothing to fear. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Jesus said it like this, very powerful actually. Don't fear man who can kill the body. Fear God who can kill the body and send the soul to hell. That's who you fear. Nah, man, you you can you want to kill me? Oh, there's a conspiracy to kill me. You're already plotting. You're trying to figure out where's he going to be on Tuesday? Oh, he'll probably be back on that milk carton because they had milk cartons back then, preaching in the streets. So that's when we'll kill him. Yeah, okay, go ahead and try. No, you're not. And oh, by the way. This guy that you want to kill, he prayed to me. I I heard his prayer. This is my guy. This is a, a man of God. This is God's man. This is God's prophet. This is God's servant. And you, <laughs> you want to kill him? Go ahead. Try. You ain't going to touch him. You ain't going to touch him. I have angels encamped round about him. I'm not through with. In other words, we're not going anywhere until the time comes. Not one second sooner, not one second later, because the day of our death is in the hands of the Lord. Not a chapter 11, you're not. We can talk about this in chapter 52 if you want, but not right now. (laughs) 
We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. That's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what he speaks and teaches about in his word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he can save you from a life and eternity without him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah, here on In Spirit and Truth.